everybody. Welcome to BO Boys for Monday, June 7th. Fuck it. It's a raw feed. We're doing it live. I'm Clayton. Yeah, I'm Pat. And Pat, I have a mouthful of fillings. Okay. And I'm feeling awesome. Oh, so you're you you're glad you got all the fillings. I you got needed drilled. them though, right? You didn't wax- you didn't just ask for them just for the taste. No, 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 no. I'm not one of those people. I'm waxed and vaxxed and I'm drilled and filled. Wow. That's taking it to another level. Yes. Because we have been on this show saying for months, people got to get waxed and ba- wax and vaxxed so they can get out to the theaters. But now they got to get drilled and filled to if get they the need full to be. experience. Okay. O- only if you need to be. I wouldn't recommend it for people who don't need it. Okay, but you know what? If you're wax and vax and you're getting out to the theater as much as you should be, which is all the time, and you're eating all that popcorn and you're eating all those goobers and those Mike and Ikes and those jelly bellies and all the other things from the concession, which everyone should be eating a lot of because got to help out the movie business. So eat more than you think you need. But if you're eating all of that stuff, then you probably also need to be drilled and filled. Well, yeah, I think it had a lot to do with that, Pat, because mm-hmm. I'm getting these chompers ready for some concessions. That's oh, that's saying. so great. Okay, so everyone out there, all the wannabe old boys, wannabe old girls, wannabe old people, people, get wax and vax, get drilled and filled, and then get to the theater and just load up on the concessions because the the movie business needs it. So, so well, that's speaking what you of do. being filled, oh boy. We're talking theaters because they were filled this weekend. Yeah, yeah, it was another good weekend. Um, and so you're gonna you're gonna plow through that top five. But just to tease everyone, huge show this week. We got new movie atop the uh, box office. We got more big movies opening up this coming weekend that we're gonna preview. We've got the New York Times getting into the movie theater box office uh, analysis business. we got a, a Times article that we're going to quickly touch on later. And Movie Pass is back in the news. Yeah. And it is it is pretty ugly. But we're going to talk about Movie Pass later on in the show. But Clayton, why don't we start off by you taking us through a plowing of this weekend's top five. Don't mind if I do. So, new number one movie, Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, made $24 million in its first weekend, unseating the number two film this week, A Quiet Place Part 2, which made 19.5. It is now at 88.6 in its second weekend. Number three, Cruella. million. It is also in its second weekend, and it is at 43.6. Number four, brand new movie, Spirit Untamed, made $6.2 million in its first weekend. And then number five, Raya and the Last Dragon, $1.3 million. It is now at $53.5 million in its 14th weekend. Wow. So great plowing, efficient plowing, and 
you know, the main takeaway from that plowing is Conjuring 3, Conjuring the Devil Made Me Do It, number one. And I got to say, I was a little surprised. I Very surprised. thought Quiet Place 2, I mean, it's a mixture of I did think Quiet Place 2 would make a couple of more million this weekend than it did. It made 19 and a half. I think I had that. We both probably had that pegged for low 20s. But... I don't think either of us thought Conjuring would get up to $24 million it, it day and date on HBO Max. So people, I think, took our advice from last week in that they did the the two dates in one where they went to see it in the movie theater and then they went back home and they watched again on HBO Max. So they did the day and date date. Yeah, did the highlights. Yeah. Went over so, it, laughed, giggled canoodled maybe possibly if there was consent on both sides reminisced about you know the date they had gone on two hours earlier they did all that and we we went through day and date dates last week but yeah the conjuring is still strong obviously this movie making 24 million opening weekend is lower than the other two movies in the conjuring verse you know the two proper first two conjuring movies both made around 40 45 in their opening weekend so there's a lot less but it also was like a third movie that i think had there been no pandemic and it opened normal times i think there would have been a big drop off anyway from the second Mm -hmm. movie you know this this conjuring verse feels like it's obviously not out of steam but it's definitely on the down slope yes um, well, I do think, though, I, I got to, you know, Pat, uh, you were alluding to it. I, I do think the reason this movie went number one and it over-indexed is exactly for the reason we stated, is that people were going to the theater and then going home to watch it. Yeah. That's really the only way I could see this beating uh, A Quiet Place Part 2. Because, yeah, I think A Quiet Place Part 2 did drop 59%, uh, which is not what you wanted to see. No. It has not reached 100 in its second weekend, which is something that happened with the original. Again, you know, we are looking at, like we've said, we've said, you know, the past couple weeks, there are still the limits. A lot of Canada's closed. You're getting, you know, less people in the theater than you'd like to for each showing. But still, you know, I thought this would hold a little bit. Like you said, I thought this was going to be in the 21, 22 a million dollar range and it wasn't yeah which i mean in the end is still pretty close like you know we thought it maybe would have made two million dollars more over the weekend than it ended up doing i mean i i saw this movie i saw this in the theater and i thought it you know we're not critics here we we just analyze the box office i will say i liked it fine i thought it was a good movie I could see why Quiet Place 2 is not going to be as as big of a hit as the first one, even pandemic box office uh, context aside. It's it's There's nothing super new about this. It is a very good retelling almost of the first movie. So I, I, it's not going to have that buzz that the first one had. The first one had such a unique premise and had that word of mouth of like, you've got to see this. And I don't think this movie is going to have this because it's just not 
can't be as original and it didn't really have like a new wrinkle that that is you know the the plus one that you're going to want a, a a sequel a breakout sequel to have yeah um but i mean this this movie's doing great it's going to make 100 million by the end of this coming weekend i think that's for sure well just real quick cuz we had this race going we mentioned it last weekend now, 88.6 is where A Quiet Place Part 2 is at right now. Mm-hmm. And then we've got Godzilla vs. Kong at 99.1 million. We both said we thought Godzilla was going to cross the finish line over A Quiet Place Part 2. And I don't think I'm changing my horse midstream right now. I think I'll change my horse midstream. I think you Quiet will Place change 2 your is horse midstream. It. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think. Listen, I know nothing about horses anyway. How they work, why they do what they do. So maybe that saying is is totally logically sound, and you shouldn't change in midstream. But my thought has always been: if you're midstream and your horse sucks, or you see a nicer looking horse, just get on the other horse. Well, I mean, are you worried about making your original horse jealous? It doesn't matter. Leave him midstream. It's fine. I, so I'm, I'm may, changing my horse. I'm changing I, my horse midstream. I'm going it, to to Quiet Place Part 2 gets there first. Okay. You may be worried about the having to go from one horse to another midstream. If you do not do it successfully, you will get trampled. Okay, sure. But I'm I'm assuming I'm not me. I'm assuming I'm a, like a, a really talented horseman in this situation. Because, like, me oh. as me, I'm not getting on a horse anyway. Okay. Um, But in terms of box office horses, and we're not going to jump. We're not going to use that as an opportunity to talk about Spirit Untamed. We'll get to that later. So we'll, we'll forego that segue. Mm-hmm. But in terms of box office horses, I'll stick with Quiet Place Part 2. I think it is going to be a photo finish. Well, you're not sticking with it because you're, you're changing horses midstream. So oh, you're, not, you're doing the opposite of sticking with something. Well, I'm I'm sticking with the horse that I just switched to. I'm not switching again. Oh, so but you're already acting like this is the horse you've been on forever. Yes, 100%. As wow. far as Quiet Place Part 2 knows, that was always my horse. Okay. Um, I think that it gets to 100 million first because last week it was averaging a couple of million a day during the weekday. Obviously, that'll go down this week. But I think I think sometime Saturday afternoon and maybe again we'll jump on air and and you know give a, a, a emergency update. But I, I think it's going to cross just a, a a couple of showings ahead of Godzilla versus Kong. But I mean, oh. either way, Quiet Place Two is going to make a hundred million by the end of its third weekend. Where where do we see now this movie? legging out to do we think this is a movie that could has any chance of getting to 150 domestic i i don't see it and i'll tell you why is that it's for a good reason i will Mm -hmm. say because there are there's gonna be some big movies coming very soon Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that are bigger films more summary films that i think are going to start dominating Mm-hmm. And this film is also, you know, it's going to be available in in, let's see, forty five days from its opening. So, but on f- Paramount Plus, which is on Paramount Plus, which nobody has, I have, no one but, has it. but, 
Uh, so that's not really going to cut into anything, but I do think that there might be, it might get pushed out of theaters a little bit faster mm-hmm. because I think mm-hmm. we're going to see that once these windows, once these windows get smaller, there's no reason for a theater to really have that in the theater when you have an exclusive movie in the theater. Well, unless the movie is, is making money. I mean, well, yeah, but I mean, the, it's not going to be making, making it, no, no, it, it won't be in 45 days. Quiet place Two won't really be making that much. Yeah. I, I, I see this as some, it could make one thirty. That, that would be my guess. It could. Yeah. Cause if, if by the end of its third weekend, it's right around a hundred, which actually, I mean, you figure it made 19 and a half this weekend. It'll probably make around 10 in its third weekend. So by the end of the third weekend, it's probably in a hundred plus, you know, a couple of million. And then it could make, yeah, it could make another 25 or so over the next month. Yeah. So I think that makes sense. Like Quiet Place 2 ending around 120 to 130, which is a success because that would have been a success for this movie even in a totally normal box office context. Yes. Um, But Conjuring, back to Conjuring, the number one movie overperformed expectations. I... I mean, what what do you credit this to? I have I have a couple of factors aside from the day and date that I think helped. Um, one of them is something we made fun of last week, which was we made fun of that subtitle. The devil made me do it. Okay. And how it's a silly subtitle. It's I still I still st- I'm staying on this horse. I don't know where you're going. You're jumping horses. Well, like who knows? Th- it's a bad subtitle, but. The main thing they get across in it is that there's devil, devil shit at play. Okay. And so does the promise of the devil get people into the theaters rather than stay home? And again, the sub, the, the, the punniness of the subtitle is, is a little silly and even though I, I realized w- after watching the movie on HBO and then looking up some of the real case, the devil made me do it was actually like the phrase used in the media for this real case that the movie is depicting, where someone claimed that the devil made them do it on a murder charge. And that's what this movie is about. Um, is, is that the first coining of that phrase? It's probably not the first coining of that phrase, but I think it is the first, it's definitely the first coining of, it's the first use of that phrase as a legal defense. Okay. So it was probably the first time that that phrase had appeared, you know, as the headline in, in like a New York Times article. Yeah. It's the um, first time a court reporter has typed that. Yes. Yes. Into a little typing machine. Yes. Um, so. I think that may have been a factor. Like we forget that the, he's not the Joker, but the devil has some box office pull, you know, the devil and the devil is a big screen star. You want to see the devil on a big screen. Well, is there a level also of not wanting to invite the devil into your house? That's true. That's right? true. There is something about the conjuring movies where you feel like, Whatever evil comes with this, I'll leave it there. I'll leave it at the AMC. 
Leave it at the theater. I, absolutely. Right, right. That's right. a possibility, definitely. So then this is a movie that seems like it, it drew from several different groups. It drew, of course, the young daters who were doing their day and date, double date, in one night. It also drew from, I guess, straight up devil worshippers who wanted to go pay homage to uh, their hero Lucifer on the big screen, put money behind him, make him look good by buying tickets to his movie. And then you also, on the other end, had, like you said, people who are scared of the devil staying in their home and would rather see the devil in a in a nice like third party building that they could leave. So let's look a little bit then at the demos here for mm-hmm. Conjuring 3. Female leaning again this weekend. Wow. Females came out 52% female. Wow. 59 of which were under 25. Okay. And 60% were between 18 and 34. So the youngsters were out in force. Young women leading the charge to see The Conjuring. Mm-hmm. Diversity demos, great across the board. 34% mm-hmm. Hispanic, 29% Caucasian, 23% Black, 14% Asian, slash other. I mean, good. I mean, this these are good demos. Yeah. it's And it's not what you would expect from a movie headlined by Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga. Well, you know what the buzz on this, and you saw this film and I did not, that there's a lot of investment in the love story between them, those two. There is, yes. And I think that is what might be drawing people you would... Now, I'm not... I don't want to say women are only interested in romance, but I think that women like films that show functioning relationships, positive functioning relationships. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. these two wackadoos in this movie who go around and uh, fight ghouls. And, 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 and grifting people, let's be honest. They, yeah, well, I mean, real life they're grifters. Yes. Uh, in the movies they're a little bit more heroic. And I think the way these two actors and the way they play these characters you know they show a loving partnership which i think is a very popular thing for that demographic yeah i mean and patrick wilson he's got that right mix i guess because he's not he's weird he is like a sneaky movie star at this point you know he's got his conjuring franchise he had the insidious franchise he's got two horror franchises he was an aquaman that was the that that was the first dc billion dollar baby and he's in aquaman he's got this this way about him where he still i think seems is got sex appeal to women but in that very safe way you know where he is like he could be your dad or he could be your lover, depending on who you are. You know, I, I think I think yeah. he's he's got that great mixed appeal, which is good for a horror movie. And I mean, I don't want to, you know, I don't like to invoke TV too much, but, you know, uh, you know, he stooped hand on girls. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. 
And I think, listen, that there's there's a generation of 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 women who watch that show, and we're like, ah, Patrick Wilson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's got it. He's got it. And I I think that it'll be interesting to see what this movie does in the next few weeks because the nah, HBO, I think this drops. Yeah, it's going to drop the HBO Day and Date movies aside from Godzilla versus Kong have not had very much staying power. Godzilla versus Kong is the only one that's going to get to 100 million. I mean, I'm just scanning down some of these other movies uh from Warner that did the Day and Date, you know, Mortal Kombat opened in the twenties and it stalled out at about 42 million total. Those who wish it, me dead, obviously was a bomb. It's, it's stalling out at around 7 million. So, mm-hmm. so you, we do have this short history now of the HBO, the Warner brothers, HBO day and date releases that even if they have a good opening weekend, they don't have legs. No. And I think, I mean, we'll we'll talk about this when we look forward to next weekend. Mm-hmm. I think there's a massive movie that is coming out next weekend that is a day and date film, Warner Brothers day and date. But I think it's gonna do Baffa Bobo at the theater. I think people are gonna be packing the theater. I mean, you think my 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 feelings are packed? Mm-hmm. These theaters are gonna be packed next weekend for. I'm just gonna say it, in the Heights, and that's a Warner Brothers movie. And I do think that it's going to take some theaters from The Conjuring. Yeah. Most well, yeah. So The Conjuring, the first two Conjuring movies both got over $100 million domestic. I mean, I think this is a movie that is going to end up maybe better than Mortal Kombat territory, better than $42 million, but... I would not be shocked if a couple of weeks from now we're looking at Conjuring 3 and it's basically at 40 or 50 million dollars total. Oh, we'll yeah, see. I'm I'm seeing this in the 40. I'm seeing this in the like 42 43 range. Interesting. And, Interesting. And, and, we'll see. And, and that's the difference between the Warner Brothers day and date going to HBO Max and our number 3 film Cruella. Mm-hmm doing the premium access because the difference is the only thing the conjuring is doing hypothetically for Warner brothers when it's not in theaters is adding subscribers, which I don't know if that's happening. And even if it is, it's not to the degree that would save them the billion dollars that they're losing in box office plus paying out these directors and these stars for the bonuses that they could have gotten if they were just theatrical only released movies. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. the thing that's Cruella, when we look at Cruella right now, down 48%, made $11.2 uh, million, that doesn't say anything about what it made at premium access on Disney Plus at 30 bucks a pop, which goes directly into Mickey's pocket. Well, last so opening weekend, we did get that number from Samba.tv that Cruella basically made about $22 million in Disney Plus PVOD sales. Yes. You know, so you got to add that on top of the box office. We don't have a number that I found yet for what it's made 
in its second weekend or its you know first full week. But you you would imagine if the drops are consistent, you know that if 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 it drops say 48 50% in terms of uh of Disney Plus premium access PVOD sales and it went from 22 million to making another 10 or 11 million there this past week. I mean, you got to add that in. Mm-hmm. You know, and again, we we can't officially add it in cuz samba.tv as far as I know is not released any estimates but one would assume that it's also still making money there so you know Cruella is a movie that it's at 43 million now honestly I think if this movie gets to 70 80 million dollars domestic then to me that's a huge hit because it's definitely going to have made like another 30 or 40 million dollars on PVOD absolutely yeah, and oh. and this uh, this movie already has a sequel in the works. I know people mm-hmm. are saying, "Oh, well, they weren't happy with the theatrical numbers, so they announced this second one to try to goose them." It's like, yeah, I guess, but it's like, dude, they're making money hand over fist uh, on it Disney Plus. Plus, you got to realize too, this is a merch play, and I know mm-hmm. we only really talk about theaters, but. The Cruella costumes this Halloween in themselves are going to pay for the budget of this movie. Yes, yes. I mean, you if you're Disney, you look at the money that something like Hocus Pocus makes them every year. I mean, we 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 were back in the the dark days of pandemic box office this past Halloween. We were covering it every week. Hocus Pocus was adding millions millions in box office this past week. I mean, that's a a automatic Halloween re-release every year. So you look at something like Cruella, that's the long-term play is you make these Cruella movies every few years with Emma Stone. They become, I don't know, perennials for Halloween or for whenever like the Westminster dog show is every year or something. You find a date on the calendar that you make this a perennial. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and, and that's the thing, like Hocus Pocus, like you said, perfect. You know what they need to do? Disney, they make that so cheap to put out in theaters every Halloween that these theaters will say, it'd be crazy for us not to put this movie in theaters, get the couple million dollars sell all of the concessions Mm -hmm. and then the thing with disney is that just creates another generation another group of kids who are batshit crazy over that movie right so with uh corella's drop 48 percent to 11 million i mean that's it held better than quiet place too you know Mm -hmm. obviously it, it didn't have as large of a a landing uh starting point to fall from but it, it held up better than Quiet Place 2. I mean, honestly, I, and you know, tweets aren't aren't box office. Tweets aren't dollars. Tweets aren't ticks. They're not ticks. That's what I, I knew tweets weren't something. Tweets aren't ticks. Tweets aren't but, a lot of things. But Cruella does seem to have a buzz to it in a way that maybe people weren't expecting. There's a lot of people talking about Cruella and again, tweets aren't ticks, but 
that may have played into how well it held up because dropping 48% when Quiet Place 2 dropped 59%, there is something going on there. There seems to be maybe a little bit more chatter and, and interest in Cruella. Yeah. I mean, it'll, it, and I've said this previously, it's going to last in the culture way longer than A Quiet Place uh, Part 2. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Cruella is going to be around all summer. Not all summer, but I think pretty long. I think July, you're going to look at your multiplex and Cruella is still going to be playing. Yeah. Because look at our number five. Look at, obviously, there's, it's a different situation because there's been so many less new movies coming out the last few months. But Ryan the Last Dragon still at number five. I mean, that is staying power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's such an interesting movie. I mean, it's at 53.5 million, 14 weeks, and it's in the top five. I mean, that's not going to stay forever because we're getting into the territory where we're going to have multi-million dollar, uh, you know, movies in the top 10. Right. But, I mean, you look at you look at Raya where it is right now, and... There are movies that have come out much more recent than Raya did, finished ahead of it on a given week, and then fall all the way back. You know, Wrath of Man only came out five weeks ago. That's behind Raya. Spiral, four weeks ago. That's behind Raya. Godzilla vs. Kong, the first giant hit post-pandemic, came out four weeks after Raya did, and it is several slots further down mm-hmm. you know mortal Kombat, same thing so it, it's it's held it's held and it's seen other movies open open ahead of it and then it ends up sticking around and those movies slide back past it well again the rats need their cheese mm-hmm. so i think that's the situation with this is that yeah. this is this is cheese that the rats like yeah and the thing about rats is rats don't necessarily care about how old the cheese is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and listen, cheese, if, uh, aged cheese can sometimes be better anyway, but but it doesn't matter to a rat either way. They All they care about is that is cheese. They don't need it to be new cheese. They don't need it to be fresh cheese. They just need the existence of cheese. So They'll chew around the mold. Right. And, you know, if you're... If you're a kid, you're a rat, and you're in the the playground or the I don't know the Zoom playground or wherever wherever these rat kids are are congregating with each other, they talk about the same shit week after week, you know, because they're not on social media, so they're not necessarily bouncing around, you know, with the 24-hour news cycle. So they're they're still talking about Raya months later because one kid saw it. And then he brings it up or she brings it up. And then they're all talking about Raya again. You know, it's not like us adults where it's, you know, uh, uh, we we basically could only talk about what's happened in the last day. Mm-hmm. Well, well, speaking of moldy cheese, mm-hmm. number four, Spirit Untamed, 6.2. Now, this is a quasi-sequel continuation of a film that came out in early 2000s it is a popular netflix series and 
it made 6.2. I said it was going to make mm, under 5. I thought it was going to make 4 point something. This over-indexed a little bit, not much. Mm-hmm. Where did you have it? Were you at 7 here? No, I think I, was, I think I was low on this. You were higher. No, I was under this. Or did oh. we? Or did I say I was over just to make it interesting? Yeah, you said you were over. So you you had it higher than I did. So I was even further off. Oh, okay. Well, then I was right, even though I really, in my heart, didn't think I would be right. So yeah, I mean, it's not. I mean, the thing is, it's per theater average is nineteen hundred, which is way below Conjuring, Quiet Place, Cruella, but. I mean, it's fine, but I mean, I think this movie is, you know, who knows? It's a kid's movie. Maybe it'll, maybe it'll stick around in the top 10 for a while. Okay. So women, again, 68% for Spirit Untamed. Makes sense. Women love horses. Mm-hmm. 45% under 17. That tracks as well. Yeah. So... Yeah, I mean, I feel like this movie, there's not much to really pick apart here because there's also not really a movie star that we could weigh. And and based on the way this IP has been used, whether it did well or not, it doesn't seem like there would be another sequel for like 15 years. So there's not well, much on the line here. Uh, Hall did a voice, I think. Okay. But just in terms of animation, no one's movie stardom is really judged by animation anyway. No, we're not going to knock Hall for this opening. And um, we will also not praise him for it. No. So I think, I mean, to me, I think that is pretty much all there is to say about this past weekend. Yeah. So do we want to immediately jump into looking at what's coming out this weekend, or do we want to knock off a few of these stories? I mean, I'm, I'm pretty eager to, to talk about this movie past story. I know you're chomping at the bit. Let's knock out these stories. Cause we want to just wrap it up with some leave people with what we think is going to happen next weekend at the very end. All right. So you alerted me to this right before we got off on, got on the air that movie pass is back in the news. There's a mashable article about this. That the Federal Trade Commission released uh, a, a complaint or basically some news about some of MoviePass's practices when they were in existence. And basically, MoviePass was knowingly invalidating their users' passwords and then fought because they were saying that they had detected fraud related to those accounts, which they knew not to be true. And then they were locking users out of their pass out of their accounts, not letting them reset their passwords, just straight up not letting users use MoviePass so that their users could not spend MoviePass money to go see movies. Mm-hmm. And this makes total sense because from day one, back when we had MoviePass, back when we were watching MoviePass collapse, the main thing about the movie pass business model was it would not work if their customers use the service. It would be impossible yes. for movie passes business model to be profitable if people used it. It was the gym membership model. Yes. 
which yes. was the assumption that people will have this and barely ever use it. Yes. But now, and it, but they to said a, to they a, did a this... ridiculous degree because like gyms expect people to use their gyms. Obviously they don't carry enough space and enough machines that if everyone used it at the same time, that wouldn't be possible. But like they do expect a lot of their members to use the gyms. I, it seems like movie passes model was like, if anyone uses movie pass, we're fucked. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they, they, they were people who had a movie service that thought there's not that many movies for people to want to see. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they were wrong because so this happened to 75,000 users. Wow. They also tried that ticket verification program. Do you remember that? Remember when we had to take yes. pictures of our tickets? Yes. Yes. And that didn't work correctly. So that blocked thousands of subscribers. And then here is one. They must have gotten so many uh, dick pics next and, to the tickets. Oh, oh absolutely. Yeah. Like tickets on on dick, like yeah, tickets, yeah. yeah, resting on dicks, things like that. Yeah, yeah. Now, they also used tripwires that blocked certain groups of users, typically those who viewed more than three movies per month, from utilizing the service after they collectively hit certain thresholds based on their monthly cost to the company. Wow. So they were they were locking out the people who used the product the most, yes. even though they advertise an unlimited usage program. Now we were big movie pass users. Yes, and this happened to me, where I don't know if you remember this, but wow. certain movie pass users were put into a separate tier where they were trying out different um, amounts of movies you were able to see per month. Oh, I and do vaguely remember this, that people randomly would have different a different way of using the movie pass than other people did. And I was chosen randomly to be one of these people oh. who were able to see less movies a month by movie pass. And it was because wow. of the amount of movies I saw <gasps> per, per week. So it was not random. It was because you just had so much free time and they knew it. I'm assuming that from, I would not be surprised from what this, uh, federal trade Com commission report has shown. I'm assuming that I was targeted. Wow. Wow. This is huge. I mean, there is a solid chance that your name is on a list that the FTC has gone over where where one of their agents is, is going over this database and they were like, Clayton, Clayton from the B.O. Boys. Yes, he was one of the targets of MoviePass. They locked him out. They locked him out. And, and I would love wow. to speak to someone from the FTC. It would be great to have somebody from the FTC on the show to talk about this yes. and, and reveal my file because I'd be willing to have them, you know, I'd waive my legal rights 
of anonymity for them to read my file in full. Oh, I on, would on I this would, podcast. I would love to hear your file, to hear all of the movies that you saw, to hear what, you know, God, who knows? Maybe they have secret recordings of of MoviePass CEO Mitch Lowe and and his subordinates where they're talking about some of these people. You know, we got to lock out Clayton. We got to lock out this person who's seeing four movies a day. We got we got to lock them out. They're 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 killing us. I wouldn't be surprised if Nick Turner wasn't on this list. Yes. Superstar, podcaster, actor, writer, comedian. I mean, I could go on forever. Right, right. Oscar prognosticating master. Right. Nick I, Turner was probably on this list. He was probably he was probably targeted as well. Yes. It's it is really um something that I think also Mitch Lowe and his movie pass uh, fraudsters. Let's let's just state the obvious. They were fraudsters. And they probably did not fully comprehend who some of the people that they were defrauding, who they really were. Mm-hmm. You know, they were probably looking at this this list and looking at these people who were seeing four movies a day, five movies, just constantly seeing movies. And they're like, okay, these people are... The, the dregs of the earth because the it's obvious that Mitch Lowe and the movie pass company, they had no respect for movies or moviegoers. So they probably looked at the, the, their most frequent users and just looked down upon them. And little did they know that one of the people they frauded, one of the people they targeted was Clayton would, would go on to become Clayton of the BO boys and have this, this platform to speak about what had happened to him, to speak yeah. your truth. Yeah, I would. I mean, I I definitely think this is something we should follow up on. I definitely think this is something that we should. I mean, not only because I could, uh, I think I could get a lump sum. Right? Is this some sort of? Is this a class action lawsuit? I don't. What's going on here? Is it just like a? Yeah. I mean, what are we talking here? Am I am I getting money from this or what? I think that is that is. Something that I'm not seeing in this Mashable article is anything about a lawsuit because it looks like MoviePass had a settle with the FTC. I mean, it seems like they are, first of all, trying to deal with the possible criminal charges mm-hmm. that could result from this. But I agree. It is time to just forget just the criminal charges. It's time for... MoviePass users to unite and to get this class action lawsuit going. And yes. there's strength in numbers, you know, because one former MoviePass subscriber goes out and, and, he, and he finds an ambulance chaser or he finds a divorce lawyer that says they could also do class action. That's not going to amount to much. But if we get these 75,000 MoviePass users who were locked out of their accounts, if we get all of them together, I mean, 75,000 MoviePass users, that's filling up a football stadium. You know, think of how many people go to the Super Bowl every year. That's a big crowd. Mm-hmm. So if we get that crowd together and we get a class action lawsuit together, you being the perhaps 
you know, and like you said, if Nick Turner, Star of Killer Raccoons, if he's one of the people who was on this list, you being the faces of this, the celebrity movie pass users, who would then I think get a higher share of the of the money from the lawsuit. But now, there was all already a class action lawsuit against them in 2019 for for baiting and switching. Which it, it it was a basic lawsuit, which just said that they said unlimited movies and it really wasn't unlimited. So that's not really that's there's already been a class a class action lawsuit, but not this blatant no barricading no. movie fans. And again, not one that will go as far as we would take it and no. have the platform that the Bo Boys could provide. So. If you are a wannabe old boy, wannabe old girl, wannabe old person, person who was defrauded by MoviePass, who was specifically locked out of your account just for using the thing you were paying for too much, email us at the Podcast at gmail.com. Or, of course, if you know someone who is in this situation who is still recovering from the ramifications of being locked out of a movie pass account, which I know it was years ago, but people are probably still dealing with the psychological fallout of what movie pass did to them, where they kept trying to reset their password over and over and over again. And we know how frustrating it is to have to reset a password. But imagine when the company is knowingly keeping you from resetting it, that is long-term psychological damage. So if you know a person who is in that situation, reach out to us on their behalf. So Pat, I'm going to real quick, I'm going to tell you my story. Okay. Of when this happened to me, when they moved me to a different tier, because I remember it like it was yesterday. Mm -hmm. I had just seen the Matthew McConaughey starer, Free State of Jones. Mm-hmm. As a movie pass subscriber, I was there with a ex paramour okay. who will go unnamed. I was, we were walking out after the movie. I checked my email, got an email from movie pass. Usually very excited about emails from movie pass. Mm-hmm. Got the news that I was moving to a different tier where I would not be able to see unlimited movies. I would not be able to see a movie a day. And I lost my shit. Yeah. I lost my shit in the middle of the street. I was in Union Square. I came from the 14th Street Regal. And I lost my shit. And you know what? That was a contributing factor to the reason why this relationship ended pretty soon after. Yeah. I mean, I think that's got to go in the lawsuit. Because Mm -hmm. you could sue for... Basically, uh, uh, loss of life partner, loss of life partner, loss of possible marriage and stability. Mm-hmm. You know, your tumultuous current life can be traced back to that email you got from MoviePass where they locked you out, moved you to a different tier. Not randomly, but purposefully. They saw you go to Free State of Jones and they said, this is the breaking point. 
this guy's going to see Free State of Jones. We got to do something about it. Yeah. Mitch Lowe is talking. He's saying, he's like, this is it. We got to do something now. Yeah. Effing now. And then what they did cost you this relationship that could have given much needed stability to your following years. I mean, financial at the least. Yes. Yeah. And they took that away. And I think that goes into this lawsuit, you know? So if you're listening to this and, and Clayton's story rings true to you, rings familiar where because of what movie pass did, maybe you had a relationship that ended prematurely a marriage that didn't happen, a marriage that ended, a, a you know, whatever the situation is, a, 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 you know, maybe you're in a, you were in a thruple that became a couple because yeah. movie pass locked you out of your, your account. Who knows? It's possible. Yeah. We could prove it is what I'm saying. You know, so yeah, if you were in that situation, stuff. yeah. If you were a thruple that became a couple because you got locked out of your movie pass account, We'll figure out how to prove that and prove the damages, prove all of the the uh, emotional and financial stress that that caused. And 75,000 users, there's got to be some throuples in there that became couples. There's yes. no way there's not a Baker's Dozen or more. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at this FTC uh, note. The FTC says... That Mitch Lowe, the CEO of MoviePass, knew of, ordered, or helped execute the password disruption program. That is also so damning. The fact that the CEO of a major company had anything to do with a password program. Yeah, you where's know, your hatchet man, man? Right. Why don't you have a hatchet man, Mitch? What's going on here? Well, it seems like he ordered the execution of it, but he needed to have some kind of buffer so that it couldn't be traced back to him. So that is, first of all, that's just a bad job of defrauding when they yes. could trace back password disruption to the CEO. Yeah. That seems so below his, you know, his pay grade. Yeah, we, we, I think, man, we need to get Mitch on the show too. I'd like to talk to Mitch. Listen, I, I would love that. And I can't imagine he would ever step foot in this fire pit that he'd be walking into. Because he knows, you know, he's, he's doing password fraud. He's, he's, you know, yeah, he's in it. He was, he was in the shit. I mean, this is a fascinating guy. I mean, I'd like to sit down face to face with him and really have a, you know, tell him what he did. Right. I want him right. to see the face of what he did because I don't think he sees the face of what he did. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, listen, he's obviously invited to come on the show, hopefully hat in hand and, and bag of cash in hand when it comes to the lawsuit. Yeah. Yeah. I so, will be nicer to him if he preemptively pays me off. Oh, of course. Of course. But and again, that's all guests. That's all guests. That said, though, if you want to get on this, if you're one of the 75,000 users that MoviePass defrauded, or if you know one of those users, or if you have 
I don't know, the death certificate of one of those users. Who knows what this caused? Either way, reach out the B.O. Boys podcast at gmail.com and we will be the platform to bring justice to the MoviePass customers. Excellent. So one more article I want to just quickly touch on before we get into our prognostications for In the Heights. Um, just because it just it just tickled me to see the New York Times had a opinion article about movie box office. It was this past, uh, let's see, Sunday in the Times. Something, their article is called Four Ways This Summer is a Huge Test for Movie Theaters. So that is the headline of this New York Times article. And here are the four ways they say this summer is a test. Uh, first of all, point number one, the studios are calling the shots. Basically, they talk about how the movie studios are in charge in setting up these new release windows and the theaters don't have much of a say. And then number two, they say streaming is king. Talking about how big a deal Disney Plus is and HBO Max and that's where the studios are releasing all these movies and doing day and date and all that. Okay, here's what I got to say to this article, Clayton, is, uh, yeah. Yeah? No duh. No duh, New York Times. The B.O. boys have been saying this for a year. Now, a year Pat, or where, more. Where did, where did you find this article? Were you unwrapping a... A fresh fish you got at the market is that where you found this this article in the New York Times? You read it off of the piece of newspaper that they wrapped the fish in. No, it was a uh, birdcage lining, actually. Mm. Great. So, and so we'll, here's the thing, and, and I know I don't mean to cut you off, but I, I'm 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 jazzed up, and allow me to 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 kind of spew. You know, I want to bebop around here a little bit, if that's okay. all right. We were talking earlier about how Hocus Pocus came out during the lean times, did Baffa Bobo. And it just makes me think, where were you, New York Times? Because we have been here the whole time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We have been here the whole time. I want anybody who's new, we get new listeners every week because we're building an empire, and that's what happens. We we Every episode is someone's first episode and we treat it that way we treat it every episode that way that we know there's going to be new want to be old boys want to be old girls want to be old people people listening for the first time and i want you to go back in the archives and i want you to look at this past year when no one else was talking about box office when all these other podcasts that are going to be popping up are going to be like, box office is back, and we're back. Well, guess what? We never went anywhere. Mm -hmm. We were here this whole time. And you know who weren't here the whole time? New York Times. Yep. The old gray lady was not covering the opening weekends of Honest Thief and Come Play. I I didn't see anything about Come Play in the New York Times this past year. I don't think they've ever typed the words Phoenix, Oregon, in their illustrious history. No. But we but were, we were all talking about, that, about that. Yep. When when we weren't sure if we were going to run out of food. 
do you understand this, Pat? We weren't sure if food supplies were going to dry up, and we were on the mic talking about box office. Where were you, New York Times? Where were you? And then suddenly, now they're coming out with these articles about here are the four keys to the summer's box office. Oh, and, gee, and they're just regurgitating, regurgitating what the B.O. boys were saying a year ago. Thanks for the keys. Thanks for those four keys, because it's that simple. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. just four keys to the box office. Thanks. Oh, I'm so glad it's that simple. Because we've been here talking for uh, a year and a half uh, about every intricate thing, ways to save it, ways to make it better. Uh, but, oh, you got these four things. Thank God. Our job is done. Pat, let's retire. Because the New York Times has it. They have it now. They've have it, they have it in hand. Well, Here we go. Let's pass them the torch. Here's their number three key to the summer box office. Older moviegoers are missing in action. And so then the Times talks about how the older audiences have not returned to go see independent cinemas and art house films. That hasn't happened yet. So four keys to domestic box office. And by the third one, the New York Times is already just talking about how their old Upper West Side audience hasn't gone to see art house films yet and how that is somehow a key to the box office. And listen, we love art house films. We love it. We love them. I I, I love the, the, the Paris Theater over on 57th Street on the West Side. It's great. But it is I not love- the key to domestic box office. Would you be my neighbor having a strong for a documentary theatrical run a couple of years was great. It was great to see. But in the grand scheme of things, that movie making $21 million on the Upper West Side doesn't mean anything to the future of domestic box office. But for the New York Times, that is the number three key to this multi-billion dollar (laughs) business. It's the quality of brownies available at the Angelica. Yes. Wait, so, listen, love the Angelica. Used to live next to it. Love it. One of the worst theaters in the city. Love it to death. Listen. Would be buried in it. We're coastal elites. We love art house films. We yes. go see indie movies in crusty old Manhattan theaters. Mm-hmm. But we know that that is not the key to box office that is just the key to what the new york times is elderly rich constituency with their theatrical keys are yeah if anything they, their keys are that they keep losing their keys and they can't get mm-hmm. back in to their upper west side brownstones which is Again, we're coastal elites. We love them. But that is not the number three key to the box office, New York Times. Now, now, really wow me with it. Sorry, my fillings. Fuck it. We're doing it live. Getting used to my new teeth. Really wow me with this number four, this fourth key, because I have a feeling that they are going to drive it home 
hard. I think they're really going to hit a homer with this last one. Yeah. The old gray lady is they're saving up their most uh, thought out take for their final, their fourth and final take. So number four on their list of keys to the summer box office, the theater business is not growing. And they say, we will never see another $11 billion a year at the domestic box office again. <laughs> never again. The last time never we saw... Never again. Never again. The last time we saw the movie theater business make $11 billion in one year, 2019, which was the last year where there was not a pandemic. Oh, my God. So they're not even thinking of inflation at all. No. Because there will never be, never, and that is a fact to this New York Times box office analysis, never be something that there was the last time the world didn't have a pandemic. Also, that happened five years in a row and was only stopped when a pandemic closed down all movie theaters for a year. But it will never according to the New York Times, happen again because of their first three reasons, which is studios are in charge, which to them is new news. Streaming services are big. And old people are not going to art house theaters yet. Oh, my gosh. Now, can I really talk about this $11 billion situation? Because, again, to go back to us being here this whole time, We talked about this article. I don't know when it was because we've done so many hours on this, on these mics talking about box office. But Pat, do you remember this where there was a wall street veteran analyst who talked about the rebounding, Mm -hmm. how it's going to 2019 there it was the box box office receipts were 11.4 billion he projected that they would drop 40% in 2021 another 7% in 2022 before surging to a new high in 2023 so they are saying that there's going to be another 11 billion dollar year in 2023 mm-hmm. which is not never it's mm, two years from now right now this guy isn't eric wald we don't know who this guy is veteran analyst for b riley securities this all could be made up what i'm saying is that this guy i believe this guy more than i believe the new york times when it comes to their coverage of the box office so you know what leave it to us or hire us those are your two options. Yes, exactly. Don't publish this fucking stupid bullshit because it makes you seem stupid. Right. Or hire us and set it and forget it. Exactly. Because exactly. you know we're going to do the work. You know we've been here. New York Times, go back and listen to our archives. Rate, review, and follow. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, how about you just subscribe to our Substack? There you go. There you go. That ties it all together. Because now Publish we're... our substack in your newspaper. So, and that's something for all the listeners might not be aware. Just started. So the New York Times 
I would say, you know what? I wouldn't say get worried because you should just get out of the box office business altogether. You got plenty other things that you're covering. We're not making any judgments about any any other topics at the Times coverage, but they should get out of the box office coverage business. Leave it to the BO boys because we got our podcast that everyone loves and listens to. And we also now have our own Substack where we are writing about the box office. So you could go subscribe at theboboys.substack.com. We've got several articles up there. All the podcasts are there, but we're also writing print articles. We have an article about the day and date phenomenon started by The Conjuring on HBO Max and in theaters. And we've got an exclusive box office prognostication based off the trailer of the new Boss Baby sequel. So yeah, it's a new thing that we're going to do. We're going to do it pretty often, I hope. It's called trailer tracking. And what we're doing is we're looking at the trailer and we're going to, like you said, we're going to we're going to prognosticate what the opening weekend for the film is going to be from just watching the trailer. Mm-hmm. And then the interesting thing about this, too, is that more than one trailer comes out. So right now, Boss Baby, we have a prediction. But when the Boss Baby uh, Family Business 2 trailer comes out, it could go higher or it could go lower. So yeah. you got to watch that space. So this yeah. is very exciting. So... Don't get your box office print analysis from the New York Times. Get it from the B.O. Boys. Go subscribe at theboboys.substack.com. So for those of you, our listeners who are out there in the stacks, I mean, this is the perfect platform for you. It's got stack right in the name so that even though we're coastal elites, we're not going to be giving it to you the way the Times does and just talking about old people going to art houses. This is box office analysis for everyone, including those of you in the stacks, plain billies, earth dogs. We're, we're, we're bringing it to everybody. The boboys.substack.com articles, constant new content throughout the week. It's, it's going to be huge. Mm-hmm. Now let's go and look forward to yes. This coming weekend, I'm very excited. Oh, this, I can't wait. This was a movie that we talked about when Jeff Bach was on the show. Mm-hmm. And he was in agreement with us that In the Heights is going to be a smash. Mm-hmm. And right now, Box Office Pro, they are predicting... Anywhere from 25 to 45 opening weekend wow. for this film. They're, now, really, they're really staying pretty vague and wide with their prediction ranges. Those aren't we really predictions. Those are, those are just, at a point, those become just numbers. Mm-hmm. 25 to 45, that's a $20 million range. That can't count as a prediction anymore. Well, we're going to give legitimate predictions. Now, I'm going to say it's going to make over 25 because The yes. Conjuring 3 made 24 million. Yes. With like so little so much less buzz. Mhm. Um This is a buzzy film. This is a musical. Yes. 
this is a summer film. When you see the trailer for this, people are sweating. People are dancing. But you're inside in the cold theater watching Mm -hmm. people hot outside in the city, dancing, being sexy. That is a perfect summer type movie. I I don't know, Pat. What do you let's let's start at thirty. I think it Do makes over think, thirty. I okay. think Give me your man, number then. Forty you're would be forty would be so high. Forty I mean, if this movie were to make forty, that is just standing ovation, blockbuster territory. It's the type of thing that would I don't know. You know, there would have to be a, a a podcast version of a parade for this movie if it hit over $40 million. But it's got so much going for it. It's Lin-Manuel Miranda. It was his original Broadway play. It's the adaptation. So his name is all over this. He wrote the movie. These are his songs. He's obviously such a giant celebrity now because of Hamilton and they're using Hamilton in the advertising. It's John Chu who directed Crazy Rich Asians and that's all over the advertising. So they're doing such a good job of of bringing these beloved buzzy properties into the advertising. I just saw a TV commercial for this movie tonight where they had The Rock. They had Oprah. They had all these big stars just talking direct to camera about how excited they are for In the Heights. And these are people who are not in the movie. Just giant celebrities who they, they, they got to film messages about how excited they are for this movie. This is a, feels like a, we're on the precipice of a cultural event. So all that said... I am going to say it hits $40 million opening weekend. I love that. I, you know, I'm in that boat as well. I, I mean, you know. I got my tickets. I'm seeing a Friday night. I'm seeing a Friday night. I got three tickets. It's me, my wife, and my mom. See, so that's that big. See, th- all this, that speaks volumes. Yep. That speaks volumes. I think that's the thing is that this is a take your family to the theater movie. This is a full on family movie. Yeah. In a way that it's not a cartoon. It's not a kid's movie, but you could bring a kid to this film. You could bring a kid to this film. And there will be kids at this film. Yeah. I mean, wow. I'm I'm riding... Into this movie, three quadrants strong. Yes. Young female, young male, a lady. If my dad was alive, if my dad was alive, that's four quadrants. Absolutely. I think he would have went because he would have seen that commercial and with The Rock. And he would have been like, okay, if The Rock is telling me to go, I'll go. And he's got to complete the quadrants. I mean, there's no way you you couldn't. Your dad's not going to sit home uh, knowing that there could be a four quadrant uh, family going to a a theater and and him saying, oh, I'm not going to complete it. No, he would have went. Also, I mean, 
at this point, you know, if he had still been alive, it would have been probably dangerous to leave him home. So we, we would have taken, we would have bought that ticket and, and he would have ended up going there. So that would have been four quadrants. So for families that still have that elderly living dad who either wants to complete the quadrant or you're afraid of leaving him home, they're going. So that's four quadrants right there. Yeah. And that's what it takes to get a movie over 40 million is that fourth quadrant, getting that old man to go to. So what would that, where would that put it's, where would that put the opening for this? Let's look. Cause what did quiet place open up to quiet place did, um, over 40 million and it's three day. Yeah, 47. So this is interesting. Do I go over 40 here? Because that would mean that it would make just under what Quiet Place 2, one of the most, at least for now, anticipated films. You know, I'm going to be a little conservative, and I hope I'm wrong. Okay, I'm going to say 36, which is still... I mean, that would be huge. The thing about this movie is anything over 30 is a giant success. Mm -hmm. If this movie hits 30 this weekend, that is huge. I I just feel like this is going to really activate the demos Mm -hmm. that have we've been seeing coming to the theater women yes the women will be out for this film yeah you're gonna have the people of color that are gonna go see this film Mm -hmm. you're gonna have the caucasians going to see this film yep you're gonna have this you're gonna have the young the old the in the middle yep i i again that's like you said this has the makings of a four quadrant smash and i think the thing why I'm going a little bit lower is because I do think this will have legs. I think it's going to be a let's go to the theater and sing along to these songs type yep. of movie. Let's have a few and uh, MacGuffins mm-hmm. get in there and like, you know, make a fool of yourself sort of thing, but boisterous in a fun way. Mm-hmm. And so I think this will have legs. So even if it doesn't open as big as we want it to, I, I'm not worried for this film. I think it's going to end up making, I would say this movie is going to end up making maybe more than uh, a quiet place part two by the end. Yeah. I mean, this is going to be such a fun movie to follow all summer because the director of this movie his last movie was Crazy Rich Asians, which is one of the great leggy hits of the last decade. The go back and 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 pull up the box office history of Crazy Rich Asians, everyone, and, and treat yourself to some incredibly small weekend to weekend drops. And not I think to say they are that, still historic. Yeah. And not to say that In the Heights is going to be able to pull that off because the Crazy Rich Asian drops were all time small. But I think this is a director who's just got his finger on the pulse of what makes a 
crowd-pleasing all-quadrants hit. And it's got runway because June 16th, the weekend after it, the only wide release is the Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard, which I think will do very well. Yeah. Let, but let's, then, yeah, I guess let's not get ahead in terms of the future weekends because, you know, that's future episodes. But I do well, agree but, with But you I just want to say that I think we're saying that it's going to make a lot, even yeah. if it doesn't open as huge as we wish. And I think it has a runway until June 25th for F9. That's mm-hmm. all I'm saying. Yeah. No, no, I agree. But yeah, for this weekend, I think this is going to be an event. I don't think the the fact that it's also going to be on HBO Max matters at all. I think if anything, it's just going to... This could be a situation where the HBO Max airings really do serve as an advertisement to people to go out and see it in the theater. Yes. And it's going to be... We talk about day and date again, the the... Take someone to mm-hmm. to the movie, see these songs, go home, sing the songs again, fast forward to your favorite song, and then think, that was so fun when we were in the theater. Let's do that again. So yes. that's gonna be that's gonna be three dates. That's it's it's gonna be this perpetual loop, and then people are gonna get married at this movie. Yes, yes. This is gonna be the summer where you're gonna have relationships that pretty much consist only of seeing in the heights yeah of consuming in the heights in some manner or form right where 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 you're gonna have a couple you know by august they're gonna look back they're gonna be engaged now that they just met in you know late may early june and they realize every single date we've gone on has either been seeing in the heights in the theater or watching it on hbo should Mm -hmm. we still do this and Sure, go do it. Why not? Just take the plunge. Where else are you going? You can always get divorced. You could always get divorced. Exactly. So you're going to have that. You're going to have the summer of just in the heights relationships, which is great. It's a, you could you could have worse relationships than just watching in the heights over and over again in theaters and on HBO Max. Now, Pat, before we go, we've got one more film that is tentatively coming out. Okay. And we say tentatively because it has bounced around the box office. Oh boy. All pandemic. Just hopping and hopping this one, huh? Hopping and hopping. We are talking about Peter Rabbit 2, The Runaway. Wow. Now, this is just got moved up again. Uh, it was supposed to come out, I think, the 18th or something. So it's just been all over the place. Didn't come out around Easter. The first film opened to $25 million. And domestic box office, 115 So did did some Buffa Bobo here. Mm-hmm. The sequel, right now, this is this a little bit you know, tighter kind of, uh, of, uh, range here. Box office pro saying 17 to 22. Now they're saying it's going to open lower than the original. Right. I kind of get that. I said on our summer preview that this feels a little bit like a Smurfs two situation to me, mm-hmm. uh, because I think there's like people, you know, kids do get bored with stuff. I think, you know, the also the thing with 
these new cartoon or uh, kids movies is they've really not been doing the numbering system anymore, mm-hmm. which we've noticed with the cruise, a new age. And we just had last weekend with, or uh, we're going to have soon with the boss baby, right? Family business. So maybe they should have just called this Peter rabbit, the runaway instead of two. Right, right, right. I don't know how much that's going to dock uh, my number for this weekend, but where where are you seeing this in this 17 to 22 range? I'll do you go, think I'll go under 17 because I just feel like they're going to get cannibalized too by In the Heights, where that's going to be. It's a family option. And okay. Peter Rabbit just feels. And I know all of these movies are movies that were supposed to come out a year ago, but God, Peter Rabbit just feels so ancient. But that's to you, like you said earlier, kid, though. Kids don't know matter. what's ancient. But but I think they do have a sense sometimes of when, uh, and and this maybe is just something that was uh, we would say as kids, but I think they still say it when something is whack, and mm. I do think the rats. The kids, they got to look at this James Corden voiced rabbit sequel that's not opening on Easter. It's opening for some reason in the summer. And I do think they're looking at this rabbit as being kind of whack. That would be my my assumption about how the kids are looking at this. Is Corden the voice of this bunny? I think he's the voice, yeah. It's James Corden is the star of Peter or the Peter Rabbit movies. Peter Rabbit is Peter Rabbit, James Corden. Oh, you know what? Yeah, it's it's James Corden. That motherfucker is Peter Rabbit. And I mean, I kind of feel like not that his star is on the wane, but he's. I don't think he's bringing much to this. And again, I could be wrong, but I I would bet the kids also think James Corden is kind of whack. I don't think James Corden has got a lot of pull as karaoke carpools with the younger audience. Maybe it had a little run, but I I don't think him singing with Paul McCartney in in a... I guess now they would be over Zoom in two separate cars. I don't even know how he's been doing his carpool karaoke all year, but... If he wants to get the kids, he get that shark from the shark song, Baby right. Shark. Get Baby Shark in that car. Right, right. Get Logan Paul in the, the car. Kids. Yeah. So uh, I, I well, I'm you, going under seven seed. I, I I think this property, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of anticipation for it. It feels like it it should have opened closer to Easter. You know that time of year when kids are really into bunnies. I think. The further you get from Easter, the further kids are into bunnies in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to go... So how low under 17 are you going to go? I mean, in the teens, but I, I think like 14 million. I'm going to mm, go... That was, my, that was where I was going, 14. Yeah. I think this opens at 14. Well, okay, so... All right. Do I make this interesting or do I go with my gut? No, go with your listen. Do what you believe. Yeah, that that was my thought. Is fourteen? Fourteen feels right, and I gotta do what feels right. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at this poster, and 
the, the tagline is it says rascal rebel rabbit peter rabbit february 9th of what year how, how is mean, the last thing what he is yeah the last thing in that is what he is yeah. we already know he's a rabbit that's not surprising. And I, I feel like the rebel thing is going to turn kids off because they're going to they they're going to say he's not a rebel. This, this rabbit is whack. I think that's what kids are going to say. Well, I don't know. We'll we'll see about that. I don't know so much about that, but I do feel 14 here. Now, let's do this because this is going to be a very interesting top 5. Okay, so you want to predict top 5s before we I go. I think we need to because man, we're we might have if, I don't know, Cruella might, but uh, we, you know, we could have at least a top four that are all in double digit million. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a first in a very long time. All right. Why don't you give your top five predictions? Start us off. Okay. So in the Heights, number one, mm-hmm. I'm going, then I'm going to go. Oh, this is interesting because what does quiet what does conjuring do? I'm gonna have to go conjuring two. Okay. I could see that. And then Peter Rabbit three. Quiet place two number four, and then Cre- Cruella number five. Yeah. I think Cruella I think the two locks are into the Heights one and Cruella five. I'd feel pretty confident about both of those. But I'm gonna go with In the Heights one. Great. I think that Quiet Place Two has a pretty good hold this week. And is number two. Then Peter Rabbit number three. Conjuring four. Okay. And then Cruella five. I think so, Conjuring drops to like 11 million. Plummets. That does make sense also because when we're looking at theater counts, it feels like it's going to fall a little bit because of In the Heights. I don't even know about that. It may not lose a lot of theaters. There's so many other movies. Like I think Wrath of Man and all these other movies, Spiral. Kong is going to lose a lot of theaters. Uh, I think there's a bunch of movies that are going to lose theaters this weekend. I think Conjuring is just going to end up having, to me, like a 60% drop. Okay. Like, I think that's going to have a, you know, because if Quiet Place 2 dropped 59, I bet you Conjuring drops like 65%. I think it Mm. winds up at around 11 million. Peter Rabbit at like 14. I could see, I guess what I'm betting on is Quiet Place 2 actually has a really good hold this weekend. And like a 20% up, drop. Yeah. And ends up around to, yeah. 14 or 15 and just edges out Peter Rabbit. You know, and, and this is going against what I'm saying for my top five, but like I wouldn't be surprised if The Conjuring drops like 72%. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could I see agree. this being a momentous drop. Yeah. But you know what? It doesn't matter because box office is back and things are making money. Yep. Well, the the uh, old people aren't going to the art house theaters yet, which is, according oh to the New York Times, the third most important point about this year's summer movie box office. So 
So there you go. You could you could follow your box office with the old gray lady, or you could just follow along, read the brand new B.O. Boys Substack. We are at the boys.substack.com. New articles all the time, fresh analysis in print. And, and you can get it directly to your mailbox. Yes. If you don't want to go to a website, no, you don't no. have time, just type in your little email. You'll get all the new articles directly to your inbox. Yeah, it's great. It's great. I do it. You do it, and you're you're the one writing half of these. And you yeah. still get them directly to your inbox. It's just easier. It's so much easier. So, um, Pat, other than the Substack, Yes. Where else can they find us, contact us? You can email us at theboboyspodcast at gmail.com. Of course, the most important thing, I mean, give us your predictions on In the Heights and on um, Peter Rabbit. We always want to hear predictions, but the main thing is email us if either you or a loved one or a neighbor or just someone you know was a victim of Michelow and movie passes fraud as outlined by the Federal Trade Commission. If your account, if you were locked out of your movie pass account back in the day and that has caused you emotional and financial distress, email us at the boboyspodcast at gmail.com. We want to not just hear your story, but we want you to be part of a possible billion-dollar class action lawsuit spearheaded by the B.O. Boys. Yes. Well, <clears throat> Pat, we did it. Yeah, we did I it. don't think there's anything left to say. But until next time, we'll smell, smell you, you at the, the box, box office. office. Nailed it. Nailed it.